What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Captain's Quarters, the unofficial Star Trek rewatch podcast where we are rewatching the entire Star Trek franchise starting at the beginning of the timeline, starting with Star Trek Enterprise. Today we're talking about Star Trek Enterprise Season 3, Episode 16, called Doctor's Orders. My name's Gabe, and I'm with my co-captain Jason. Make it so, Jason. Hey, buddy! Oh, Captain, my captain! We're back! We're back! We're back! After an over... Um, unintended over summer holiday. Break. Let's call it an yeah. unintended summer holiday. Yeah, about five weeks we've been out of it. We've, we've had some stuff going on, but we're back, and we're happy to be back. It feels good to be back. We're a little bit rusty, but uh, I, think, I think we'll be okay. Um, so, yeah, in this episode, the Enterprise is uh, heading toward Azati Prime because they're trying to destroy the Zindi weapon. They're heading through the Delphic Expanse, and they run into yet another... A gravitational anomaly but this time Dr. Phlox determines that the gravitational waves are going to actually destroy the humans uh, cortexes their, their, their neurological system uh, their nervous system and uh, he also says that it, it will not affect Denobulans and it won't aff- affect Porthos the dog so his solution is to uh, basically put everyone in a sort of coma, and they're just going to fly right through it. And um, the because the alternative is to go around it, and that would take two weeks. And they are are pressed for time because they they need to address this whole Zindi weapon situation. Oh, good and point. so Flo- Flo- yeah, Flox gets a uh, crash course on how to fly the ship. Uh, I think they're going at impulse, right, Jason? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Because uh, Tucker is, um, cause Tucker is uh, worried that the gravitational distortion may have uh, unintended consequences on their warp field. Right. So, Phlox is basically all alone with Porthos, and he's uh, or puts everyone he? to sleep. He, uh, yeah, he does a journal and ent- he's doing journal entries. That's how we kind of know what he's thinking in the absence of any dialogue. And, um, T'Pol shows up and she starts talking to Phlox and she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this peace and quiet because it's an, allowing me to, to meditate more. It's a little bit hard to meditate with all the humans walking around. Um, so they keep each other company. Flock starts noticing weird stuff. First, it's like kind of little ticks and sounds and stuff. It eventually goes into full, full-fledged, like seeing things run around the ship, to the point where he actually sees uh, some of the insectoid zindis on the ship, and he's trying to he's trying to convince to Paul what he's seeing. And she reminds him that Denobulans use hallucinations to deal with stress. And so we become convinced that's what's going on. um, Because eventually he sees Ensign Sato as like a zombie. Clearly it's not really her as a zombie. Um, 
also I think he sees like an awake archer and Phlox is Phlox is convinced what he's seeing and what he's hearing is is the Zindi have infiltrated the ship but to Paul telling him no you're just hallucinating he finally believes it um but but he recognizes like that he can't tell the difference between a hallucination and reality and this is a problem because this this anomaly starts growing and growing um and the logical way out of it is to go into warp but he doesn't know how to go into warp um and so there's a slight debate there on what they should do uh at one point it's it's brought up hey maybe we should wake up tucker to go into warp because we could get lost here forever this thing is growing so fast and so it it's the classic star trek uh moral quandary of do we sacrifice one to save them all because waking up tucker would subject him to uh, these gravitational waves and it would essentially kill tucker if not ruin his brain um and so Flox figures out how to go into warp um with the tools at his disposal and makes it out of of the uh the anomaly but the twist ending is is that to paul was a hallucination the whole time and and um so they get out of, they get out of the anomaly he wakes everyone up and we find out yes he did go into warp but he did cause some damage and it's going to delay their trip a little bit but it was all all things being said uh he was the hero and uh we're back on track to uh, heading towards his indie weapon so what'd you think man i i love this episode i thought this was one of the best episodes we've we've done we've uh we've uh, analyzed i thought it was great <clears throat> i do too but i but i am wondering what you think no i agree i thought um i liked this break and I'm glad that we got a chance to explore some of Dr. Flox's personality quirks. Um, you know, uh, speaking as an introvert, uh, yes, I would have also been running around the ship naked. Um, you know, <laughs> listen to music, running around. Um, yeah, no, I, no, I really enjoyed, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed um, the character development, you know, the stress-induced hallucinations, the, you know, that he imagined zombie Hoshi, that he imagined uh, his, a, I don't know, the, the, the curious thing for me was, was that a fictitious kind of, you know, was that his memory of, of of to Paul or is that like a more true representation or hit from his point of view of who she is um mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff you know uh the, like I said zombie Hoshi uh the doubts uh from the captain uh that he was hallucinating and and the insectoids right. that were invade that was invading the ship I thought this was a a really really enjoyable character development episode that I that I've been complaining about that we've been missing from this series yeah. a little bit. Um, that we haven't gotten yeah. more character development from more of the uh, the other characters outside of uh, Tucker 
this season in particular. Yeah, this season in particular. Mm-hmm. It, and let me just say, it was a nice uh, ship in a bottle episode. It was, it, yeah, I enjoyed it very much so. Um, and it was my three favorite characters: uh, to Paul, uh, Phlox, yeah. and Porthos. And Porthos, so, yeah. So I loved it. I was, I was in heaven. Um, and then, how soon did you realize that to Paul was another hallucination? Because I didn't, I didn't know the whole. I went the entire episode without knowing it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a. I, no, I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I had to watch it again to pick that out. Because I was like, oh, I thought they had mentioned everyone had gone down. See, see, I when she came on screen, I was like, wait, I thought. I thought Flock said everyone but the Denobulan and the dog. Right. And I, and I I just I just doubted myself. I was like, oh, he must have like forgot to mention the Vulcans or I misheard. I, I like wasn't paying attention for a second. But I didn't I didn't doubt it for a second that it would, you know what I mean? I I assumed it really was her. And I thought it was expertly done cuz like I think they made it like such that it was a little strange when you saw her at first. Yep. Yeah. But it, but it wasn't so strange that it was obvious that it was that it was a trick. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree with that. And the funny thing is, is that I thought that she was more Vulcan. I, that's weird to say, but I, I've I've said in these last couple of episodes, she's become less Vulcan. And again, do you think that was yeah. his projection of who she is, or? more of a you know what kind of representation do you think that character her character what her character of the character in this episode specifically yeah that's a really it's a really interesting question because like clearly he needed something to govern his thoughts he had his his own internal projection that needed to like rein things in because he was losing it yeah, oh, yeah. in the absence of of her her ultra rational thinking um he needed that and it's interesting that he projected that onto a hallucination of T'Pol who is the logical one yeah um so I don't know I, I think that's I, I think she was more Vulcan I think you're right though I think it was an exaggerated version of T'Pol yeah, because as you said, she was the one that pointed out, oh, it's your stress-induced, hor-, you know, it's your stress-induced hallucinations. It's all of these, as you said, logical conclusions that she was giving him or talking to him about. And I was like, oh, yeah, wow, this is a really very Vulcan to pull. And I was like, this is a really nice breath of fresh air. But then I was like, is she there? Or is she not there? Is this hallucination? What's going on? So I, I, I questioned myself the entire time. And I'm like... And so then I went back and I watched it again to really specifically listen for cues. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until... I was like, oh, okay. You really have to pay attention to like... Well, in my mind, or, you know, for me as a viewer... I had to really pay attention to like, oh, okay, she was, you know, he did say everybody except for the Denobulan and the dog and all that. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess... Um, I Yeah, I guess when I was watching it, I don't know why I didn't pause it and rewind 10 seconds to be like, wait, or whatever, a minute, and be like... I, I didn't think... It, but it's it's logical to assume if a Denobulin, because they have a different biology than humans, yeah. that perhaps also a Vulcan would be yeah. immune to the effects yeah. of this thing. But I mean, you know, Vulcans are stronger they... and all that kind of stuff. Although I imagine that their mental, even at their mental capacity and their mental um, abilities, would probably also make them less or more immune. Obviously, so we'll never know, but. um yeah and and on that note like maybe we were supposed to maybe it's supposed to be a huge red flag because you remember the vulcans who went into the expanse and turned into zombies that's right that's right that's a good point that's a good point were they affected by the anomaly or the the um metal that they were in that they were putting on the hole yeah so i think it was the deuterium uh deuterium deuterium Uh, fa- uh, Star Trek fans, correct me if I'm wrong, or correct us mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, but I think it was the deuterium that caused their madness or their psychoses um, okay. to change. And so, okay, so the other thing too is, I, did you pick up that the T'Pol hallucinated T'Pol was wearing a different uniform than no. the T'Pol of not? The alpha no. to Paul, I, I should say. Right. Right. I didn't. Yeah. So I no. was like, oh, that was a nice, that was a nice <laughs> switch. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> that that, but I've you know, uh, I've proven that I'm not super observant when it comes to Paul's uh, uniform. Okay. We've we w- talked at length about this a couple true, episodes true, ago. True. True. So. True. But no, that's a nice catch. I I didn't I didn't get that. Yeah. But I I did like. Because like I did like that they they gave you enough that you could have figured it out, but they worked so hard to, um, you know, throw you off the trail. Yeah. By making her like different than the other hallucinations, you you really bought into her as a real entity. Um, and like oh yeah, those other things, those are just hallucinations. But you know, this is to Paul. But like there was. And I thought that was really good. That's one of the reasons I love this episode. I like being tricked like that. Okay. I like I like like <clears throat> plot puzzles and okay, yep, and trying to solve the mystery and so yeah. See, when there's I, a good one, it's always so. Fun. When I watched it, I was like, I I always think of like you know, oh, what is Gabe gonna think about this? And I was kind of split fifty <laughs> fifty because of it. I was like, oh, he likes these kinds of things. But then at the same time, I'm like, oh, I could see him not enjoying the episode because it it could be seen as, excuse me, a little slower paced than not. But Mm -hmm. if you're, but obviously not because you're entrenched, you know, you can get so entrenched in it that you, that we missed, you know, oh, is T'Pol awake or not? Or you know whatever the case might be. So, yeah. <clears throat> well, you you should know about me. Like when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Sherlock Holmes. Right. I know. Um, yeah. I I bought the like complete Sherlock Holmes collection, and I read every one of them. And uh, there's nothing better than a good mystery. Yeah. Um, 
that that is figure outable. That's the key to it, is that there's enough there that you could come to your own conclusions and try to figure it out, try to solve it yourself. So have you watched this, the Benedict in this case? Have you watched the Benedict Cumberbatch? Uh, I think I watched one season and I really loved it. Yeah, and I okay. just never I went to back say. to it because okay. the episodes were a little long. Yeah. And you have to focus on them. Yeah. And I've just It's very I haven't had it's very the like, British drama. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely on the list of shows I need to get okay. back to. Yeah, because I was about to say it it's a it's a really yeah, you would enjoy it. It's a really good one. Yeah. Well, um so the other thing with the the moral dilemma. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I I thought that was just quintessential Star Trek in my my limited expertise, my two and a half seasons worth of expertise. Um Th- three you know, seasons. Thought, well, well, I mean, we've done yeah. two complete ones. True, and true, then half true, of another true, one. true, 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 true. So I just thought that was like you know, I when I enjoy this show the most is when it asks you, what would you do? Yeah. Because cause it is logical. It is logical to sacrifice Tucker's life for for um, everyone else. But, like, could you actually do that? And, you, and the interesting thing, too, is that they were building it in the beginning. Like, he was, mm-hmm. Tucker was incredibly, like, I'm like, what, where, like, where have you become so super protective of your engines and you know, the ship and, you know, you know, he said, I wouldn't even allow anybody. I wouldn't allow anyone without four years of Starfleet training to even touch my engines. I'm like, Mm. whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. And I didn't know. And I didn't realize at the time at, at that time stamp of the episode that I was like, oh, okay. Then then we fast forward to closer to the end where it was like, okay, he did have to, you know, make that choice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, the, and, and to your point, that's something that, you, that we talk about a lot on this podcast is, is, you know, we always ask ourselves or, you know, we ask each other, what would you do? <laughs> right you know exactly mm-hmm. um and that's that's what i love about star trek i've i've noticed um at this point in my life i've been really like picking apart things like like franchises that i like like star wars and uh, whatever uh but star trek definitely stands on its own as its own sort of paradigm like like most like to be more specific most of the things that i like are some version of the hero's journey yeah you know like legend of zelda etc star wars um yeah to some degree star wars lord of the rings um yeah definitely lord Lord of the rings for sure i think that's like quintessential yes hero's journey yes for frodo right yes um although in the hobbit too yeah exactly yeah um the uh but star trek um it is like the only thing that i'm like into that i feel like is as intriguing and i don't feel like i'm on that i'm in a different paradigm than than those other things and i'm really i'm really loving that it's like broke it, it broke me out of my my repetitious sort of 
uh, you know, but, fandom. But at the same whatever. time, though, I don't think you're wrong. I would just say, at the same time, Star Trek is, in a way, the heroes. You know, it, it, it's not the mythical kind of like that sort of like straight arrow. You know that usual. You know the 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 stereotypical or the the what do you what 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 should we call what do I call it the 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 typical hero's journey we are i mean in a lot of ways star trek is a hero's you know it is a hero's journey in in a lot of ways it's just you know a little bit more you know nuanced i guess uh in a way because we are rooting for you know the crew of the enterprise or the crew of voyager or the crew of you know uh, or the crew of Deep Space Nine, or you know, other you know, or Discovery, or whatever the case might be. So in a, in a way, I think it still has those elements. It's just not as you know, it's not as black and white a lot of times. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, and I I feel like the hero's journey tends to be very black. And yeah, white. it's very the the evil is unmistakable. Right. But in this, uh, a lot of times the evil is like within the character's choices. It's like, yep. you know, are you going to kill Tucker to save everyone? Because killing Tucker is clearly evil. Yes. But is it is it less evil than letting everyone die? And I don't know. It's just stuff it's like a, that. It's a, it's a just, tough. That's a tough awesome. one. That was a tough one for me. <laughs> I'm like, man. <sighs> but see, like. When, whenever this show, and I don't know if other Star Trek shows do this too, don't you ever think that there's like, or or do you do you immediately recognize this like altruistic path, this no. like sort of third option? No, yeah, no. Because because in this case, the third option was don't kill Tucker. Yeah. Don't let everyone die figure it out and figure out how to save all of them oh. which is the, the hardest path yeah i guess yeah um and it takes it takes a, a hero to do it i guess but no, it's, um, no i mean just I you wait until we get to the other iterations of this franchise where you seriously think wow that was cold right that was <laughs> you know that that was you know i would say next generation the original series to a lesser extent but really um uh deep space 9 really comes to mind where you're like oh wow that was dark and could you, you know it's it's really of like could you live with that decision it's those kinds of yeah so it's not always it's not always the enterprise has they there are there are episodes where i can think of where you're like oh okay it's not so cool right you know they did have to mm-hmm. make a decision that was you, you know that we could talk about and that we will talk about for, you know, an extended period, you know, for an episode of a podcast where you're like, oh, okay, you know, 
maybe your maybe the the your opinion of the the captain or the crew or whatever the case might be has diminished a little bit because of the choices that they made but that's what makes it enjoyable <clears throat> cool i like it i'm looking forward to it yeah because it's it's fun yeah it's uh, i don't know i think i think maybe you grow more when you when you yeah. like, put oh, yourself yeah. in the character's shoes and you, and you force yourself to like figure it out yeah like, what would you do yeah no absolutely um so you know i always come back to in that instance the good of the many the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one or the few which is the logical choice however mm-hmm. in star trek there are many times where it's the good you know the need of the one outweigh mm-hmm. the need of the many but but do you fixate on the leap of faith that it takes to know the outcome? Like just taking this episode as an example. Mm. To Paul's viewpoint is there's two outcomes with with absolute certainty. In one outcome, everyone on the crew dies. Yeah. Including Tucker. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the other outcome only Tucker dies because the ship explodes, right, or something of that nature. It breaks apart, basically. It's going to yeah. break apart. It's going to break apart. Yeah. Um, but so it takes a lot of confidence. You could almost say hubris to say this is where it's going. Yeah. And I've talked about it on this podcast before. My number one thing that I hate about, um certain things in life is when people do that and they use that as justification for preemptive action that is questionable mm-hmm. i'm not gonna i won't say more than that but like you know um it takes a, a lot of like i don't know i see for me i'm i'm way too like hesitant to take those leaps of faith like oh i know this is gonna happen therefore we need to do that because it's like i feel like there's just so much randomness in life yeah and unless you have a literal crystal ball yeah you know if hey if we don't attack them they're going to come kill us all this whole season is is that this whole season is um we have intel that they're going to create an even larger weapon and kill us all so we need to go kill them first um but I don't know. I really fixate on that, and I'm wondering if you do too, and if you think other people do. Oh, I'm sure they do. I, I'm sure they do. Um, I try not to. Um, what I try to watch or fix, what I try to do is, and this happens in life. This happens in life. It's where you take in all of the information that you're given uh you know you surround yourself with a good crew you know good people or whatever the case might be friends family whatever and you seek their counsel in making those decisions i'm sure i've done this with i'm sure i've done this with you in the past where i'm like hey buddy you know i've got this and you know what do you think and all that and then you and then you kind of develop a I develop a a game plan for that and try to take as many calculated 
risks as possible instead of jumping into a pool that may not have water and then asking questions later. I'm less of a Han Solo kind of (laughs) and more of a, okay, let's take a step back, analyze the situation and, you know, and that, and that's one of the things that I really enjoy about, you know, Star Trek is that, you know, the decisions a lot of times, yes, it falls on the captain or the commander or whatever the case might be, but, you know, they usually take in, you know, Spock and McCoy and, you know, Ahura and Sulu's, you know, opinion and listen to everyone around the table and then make as best a decision as possible. So, no, I I, I try not to <clears throat> to fixate on, you know, oh, this is going to be the outcome. Because I don't know. Humans are terrible at predicting the future. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <clears throat> But that's that's a big lesson, though, because most of the um, things being sold to us, uh, what not just commercial stuff like political, yeah, military is is people saying if we don't do this, this is going to happen. Yeah, and you have to take a leap of faith to to believe yeah. them. Yeah, no, it's true. Because they're because we don't always and I know. almost never do. We don't always know what will happen. We just try mm-hmm. to do the best we can, or we hope that we try to do the best we can based on our own belief system, moral compass, whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like we had a lot to say about this episode, but it was as a um in the bottle as you said um there wasn't like a ton of specific plot points no to go over no no i i did want to mention i'm really glad that the people that he hallucinated were technically the closest the people quote unquote that he's closest to Mm -hmm. or you know as far as that we've seen thus far right it's been it was to paul it was a, it was zombie Hoshi, it was uh, um, Archer and Tucker, mm-hmm. and those are yeah. the five or four other characters that he's been the closest to, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I'm really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, me too, for sure. And then while I was down, I must say, I did watch The Court Jester, the movie that he was watching. Oh, you yeah, did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from 1955. It's very good for a 50s. Really? Yeah, it's very good. It's a, What's it about? It's kind of like... It's kind of like a spoof, if you could say a 1950s version spoof of kind of like Robin Hood, I think is the closest hmm. thing. Um, cause I was intrigued by the, the line, the, the liners in the movie, you know, the chalice from the palace, you know, all the, Got yeah. It. So I was like, okay, okay. I have time. I'm watching this. <laughs> so was it like a uh, men in tights? Robin kind men of. In tights? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> a little bit of King Arthur mixed in 
And uh, yeah, but, but I would a, a little bit of kind of those kind of knights of the round table medieval kind of deals with a little bit of Robin Hood, and I found it to be really enjoyable for a fifties movie. Cool. And and actually watching the movie, I would say, and maybe this is just me, but I would say for me, there have been a lot of movies that make you reminiscent of that movie. You're like, oh, okay. There were like a lot of little things. Maybe it was the cinematography. The I don't know. But it was something that you're like, oh, it kind of reminds you of... It, it, it felt like it was a movie that kind of set a path forward for like, I don't know, musical movies and kind of those kinds of, you know, movies... What I'm trying to say is it felt like it it has a pretty historical importance to it. In 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 Okay. In the film world. I don't you know nothing more broader than that, but in the film world. Okay. Cool. <clears throat> I like it. Uh, that I I like that you watched it. Yeah. Enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really good. It was really good. The chalice from the past. <laughs> Because that's that's such a recurrent theme in this series is is these old timey movies. That, yes, and I having not seen any of them, I I think to date, you know, it's interesting to. I'm always curious, like, why do they pick that one? What does it have to do with yeah, this episode? I don't know. Cause I yeah, assume it I has know. something to do with it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> As I watched the movie, I was like, wow, I don't know why they picked this movie, but it, it's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not that long either. It's like, it was like an hour and a half or hour and 45 minutes or something. How did you watch it? Did you rent it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, well. support, your li- support your local library. So that's what I will say. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, the... I was looking at some of the reviews of this episode. They, uh, they do not share our love of this episode. Star Trek Magazine gave it a 1 out of 5. Somebody said it was a worse version of Star Trek Voyager episode 1. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When two, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. <clears throat> so... But that's okay. I'm sticking to my guns. Same here. I, I think it was. I think it was great. Um. Well, was there anything else you want to talk about with this episode? Um. Other than the fact that the director was Belana Torres, which was great. Yeah, Roxanne Dawson. Cool. Dawson. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Last time we talked about Star Wars. Yes. We said that when we came back, we were going to talk about Qui-Gon. Yes. But we weren't planning on taking as long of a break as we did. Yes. So, um, I feel a little bit unprepared for that. Okay. But I know 
enough Star Wars that I could probably <coughs> talk about it. Okay. If you were prepared to talk about that. Yeah, sure. If not, we can kick the no, can. No, 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 no. Yeah, sure, episode. sure, sure. Yeah, we can. You sure? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Do you remember what we were talking about? Uh, yes. Uh, the The premise was that the duel of the fates in Phantom Menace. Uh, you, I, and correct me if I'm wrong because I really don't want to mischaracterize your point of view. Is that mm-hmm. Anakin? No matter what, if it, let's say. Qui-Gon had won that battle survived and was the one who trained Anakin that he would have become Darth Vader anyways that yeah straight and narrow kind of deal like this path of like that he's going to be Darth Vader and in my limited Star Wars like perspective and knowledge is that I think that we would have to take it the duel of the the quote unquote duel of the fates literally and then mm-hmm. i think in some alternate universe in some other galaxy far far away long long time ago that if and if if qui-gon had won and survived and was to train anakin that i think that he would not have become Darth yeah. Vader and i yeah. and i totally and i fully you know believe that from I, you know i i'm not well versed in the the comics or the novels or the books or anything like that but uh from you know the cartoons and the television and the movies i would say that i'm like yeah i i i i firmly wholeheartedly believe that if if Qui-Gon had survived you know, uh, mm-hmm. that Anakin would not have become Darth Vader and that it would have been a totally different, um, a totally different story. And obviously, it's a fun debate to have, but, you know, will we ever know? No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if they did a what if, you know, if they went Marvel and they did a what if cartoon, I think that would be cool. Well, for me, I would know if George Lucas said that that was the case because uh-huh. I know Dave Fil- Dave um, Filoni, yeah, Filoni, Filoni, Dave Filoni, yeah, he um, has said that, yeah, mm-hmm. Dave Filoni said that, yeah. But I think I think for me, um, I have a lot of thoughts on it. One yeah. is that there there is a lot of evidence to support that. The, the idea that Qui-Gon's death was the death of Anakin, basically, and the birth of Darth Vader. And, and I think there's a lot there. Uh-huh. Um, but there's pieces of it that, to me, like... Like it... Because, like, for instance... I would I would argue that that's that's the belief that Obi Wan holds. When all is said and done, Obi Wan blames himself. He carries a lot of guilt. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, I believe, in the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, he's like, 
I wish Darth Maul would have killed me. He says, he thinks something to that effect. He says, like, I wish, you know, I wish I would have died. See, back that's then the because, stuff that you're because, much more well versed in than I am. I'm the Padawan here on that, so I, I, I don't. <laughs> so, the, but, but the idea being, you know, there's a butterfly effect here. Mm-hmm. If I, if I had never survived, then I never would have taken Anakin on. Mm-hmm. Then he never would have become Darth Vader. So, clearly, that's in support. There is also of this another. Theory. There's probably another alternative to that. Is that even if Anakin, even if Obi Wan would have lived, let's say both of them lived, right? Mm-hmm. Both Qui Gon and and uh, Obi Wan lived. Mm-hmm. I still think that it was going to be okay. Obi Wan, you're no longer my padawan you're good enough to take the trials and become a master of your own and i'm going to train this boy this chosen one because i believe in him that much Mm -hmm. that i i still think that he would you know if that were to be true and obi-wan didn't die and they both survived and you know yeah they would have changed the galaxy for I don't think the novelization was saying me instead of Qui-Gon. Oh, I think it was okay, something okay. to the effect of, I wish we both would have died or oh, something. Oh, okay. Oh, because wow. Any, wow. And, and I think he thinks it as he's watching the uh, surveillance footage of Anakin yeah. chopping down younglings. Yeah. And so it's like he's just so bummed out and depressed. But uh, but so I guess I guess from my point of view... That whole thing, including Obi-Wan's feelings, is like this bubble that exists within a larger bubble. And Obi-Wan doesn't know the full extent of everything that's going on. And everyone has been so deceived that they don't understand... They don't understand... um, The puppet master... Yes. And how entrenched he is in everything. Yes, yes, yes. And so they, they can't make an accurate assessment of of what led to this moment. Yes. Because because they they their view is limited. Yep. And and I think we as the audience are meant to appreciate um like how <clears throat> how pervasive the evil is mm-hmm. that it has everyone so confused mm-hmm. and just uh um, I think that's to me that's a big part of it. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, like if, like I think if Obi Wan knew the extent of what he was up against, I don't think he would have blamed himself as much. Uh, you, no, I agree. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. And and the interesting thing to me is that that all came ahead in the last. Well. They're the last battle between Darth Vader and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi in the series of Obi-Wan in the Kenobi series is that he's carrying that and he sees you know he sees Anakin's guy because you know that is but he is Darth Vader and you know and that, and I think that was such a beautiful scene um 
that no, you know, I am not your, you know, Anakin Skywalker's dead, and it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who killed him. And this is Darth Vader, right? right? That says, mm-hmm. "Oh, I killed him." And then he find, and then Obi Wan finally realized, "Aha! Okay, then you, my friend, is truly dead," which is something. That, you know, I love that they pulled kind of like, "Then my father is truly dead." Kind of that kind of yeah. similar dialogue. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then you know he says, "You know, goodbye, Darth." And then you, and then you get that right in 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 A New Hope, where he, you know, where he says, you know only calls him only the master of evil darth right and you know I, that little those little moments i love that kind of point yeah. to me where he's like yeah i yeah i i made mistake mhm yeah <clears throat> well so the other parts the other components that are related to this mm-hmm. is so there's there's this idea that the jedi council the Jedi Order's way of doing things is flawed. Absolutely. And that flaw is what leads to Anakin's downfall. Yes. And and part of that reasoning is like there's this alternative way to do it. And and I think a big um, origin point for that is every time um, we project a lot of this stuff onto Qui-Gon because of the way he interacts with Anakin. If you notice, every time mm-hmm. Qui-Gon talks to Anakin in the movies, he kneels down and he puts his hands in his shoulders. Yeah. He, he like, um, we, we project our own, like, emotional sort of fatherly love yeah. onto him yep. because he does that. Because, like, Mace Windu or Yoda or any of the other ones on the council would never do that. Yep. They sit in their chair and like See, I love that you're making my argument for me, but you know, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think that's a powerful thing, but um um yes. I don't like <laughs> um I don't see the Excuse evidence for like this is a better way in for for like so there's an absence of evidence in one case. Yes. But then okay. there's okay. also there's also the presence of um the evidence against the Jedi Order's way which is a very common refrain. Yes. So like if you go if you go like look at um star wars youtubers there's a there's a bunch of channels who all they talk about is star wars lore Um, okay yes and a very common refrain uh to the point where it's basically canon is this idea that the jedi were um arrogant yes and it was their hubris yes that um made them basically evil um, yeah, I could see that, yeah. yeah. I mean, even Palpatine, excuse me, Darth Sidious, you know, when, you know, when, you know, the two master, the two grand masters of their own part, you know, of their own orders are throwing insults at each other, you know, your mm-hmm. arrogance blinds you, Master Yoda, you know, that right. kind of stuff. Yeah, that's totally true. That's absolutely true. See, I, see, I don't think that's true, though. I don't think it's true. Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. What makes like, you not think that that's true? 
Um, in 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 yeah, and okay. we have to and we have to keep and don't you think we have to keep that within the reference of within the context of Anakin's path towards Darth Vader? Sure, sure. Okay, when Obi when sorry when Yoda finds out <clears throat> that there's a um some sort of dark agent trained in the the jedi arts potentially a sith the first thing he does is close his eyes and search yeah he's he starts looking he looks inward to look outward and he basically meditates and he's like hmm like hard to see and there's other times when he does yeah yeah hard to see the future it is there's there's times in the show when he meditates to try to find the answer <clears throat> yes and they can't they can't find the answer but um hubris and arrogance yeah would be like you don't know what you're talking about Qui-Gon shut up but they listen to him they try did to they? find the answer did they listen to him i don't mace says we don't have time for this but we will figure this out He's like, we need to solve this mystery. And he talks about the mystery of the Sith. And he's like actively trying to figure out the mystery of the Sith. He fails. But if if everyone who failed was accused of arrogance, then we'd be in a pretty fucked up world. Oh, no, absolutely. No, 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 it's true. It's true. Absolutely. It's true. He never downplays Qui-Gon's experience. They actively try to work on it with the tools at their disposal. Yeah. Okay. Let me just say this. In The Phantom Menace, they test Anakin and, it, you know, the ship and, you know, the... Mm-hmm. And Yoda's, you know, much fear leads to, you know, anger leads to hate, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? Yeah. So, which it did, which it did lead to hate. Which it did, anger which it did, it does, it does, yeah. it does. No question about it. However, you never see that from Qui Gon Jinn in his in his belief in the boy in Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And I will point out another thing is that. I think Qui-Gon Jinn was so, it was so different and so I don't know ahead of his time uh different that remember when Anakin is you know appointed the personal representative by a Palpatine a Palpatine to the Jedi Council and he becomes a master but they mm-hmm. did not grant him a seat on the council. Did Qui-Gon Jinn, a master himself, sit on the Jedi Council? No. 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 And I believe, I think, that his Qui-Gon's defiance of the council and that you do need love and you do need attachments... That I'm not entirely certain that they would have that 
he would have stayed in the order to... I think he would have left the order to train Anakin, is what I'm trying to say. In his own Jedi school. And it may have only had one student, the chosen one. But that belief and that command of respect from... To Qui-Gon that we see in the first movie... And and then in snippets from the other shows, that there was a reverence and a respect towards Qui-Gon, that he was the father figure to Anakin. And that would have supplanted Palpatine in becoming Anakin's father figure. Because again, Star Wars in a lot of ways is about fathers and sons. <clears throat> And family and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know. And so I, I wholeheartedly believe that, you know. And, and then the other thing, too, is I think that when, let's say, Anakin falls for Padme no matter what, right? No matter mm-hmm. what. Yeah. And remember when he goes to Yoda and says, Master Yoda, it's, you know, I'm having these dreams about someone dying. And Yoda kind of, in a very Jedi, but in kind of a monkish, which is what the Jedi Order is. They are a religious Mm -hmm. monk kind of deal. That you Mm -hmm. must let go of the, you know, death is a natural part of life and that you must learn to let go. Well, I think that really turns Anakin off. And while I have no proof of what Qui-Gon would have told him, Mm -hmm. but I think that the way that Qui-Gon was that I I do think that there he would have had a very very different answer and that yes love is a very much part of being a Jedi and it's and from my perspective I think it's just a different viewpoint of what the quote-unquote balance of the force is now do I have references to go back to and books and novels and you know star wars youtube no i don't but that's something that i just think that from watching the one movie and then the shows mm-hmm. um yeah. which which have qui-gon Jin in it that you know that he was totally different i mean it's not a bad thing but he just saw the the balance of the force and the way to achieving that uh was different from the council you know that that they had to obliterate the sith to bring balance to the force when i can't believe i'm doing this but last jedi okay episode eight yeah and you're gonna have to correct me that the ultimate kind of deal that the balance of the force does require to have a little bit of good but a little bit of bad you know a little bit of the dark side too and the mastery of the that balance to not let one supersede the other is I think the true testament and again because this is a faith kind of deal that that's my that would be my viewpoint of it 
And and the other thing too, and maybe this is a little bit off topic or a little bit off, but you know, it was Qui Gon Jinn that was the one that learned through his learnings and all that was the one that taught Yoda and Obi Wan and I guess Anakin to become a um Force a, a Force Ghost. Um uh Qui Gon set Yoda on the path. Right. It was the five sister <clears throat> yeah, things. Yeah. That mm-hmm. Which was a cool Yoda episode actually. Yeah. Um yeah, I hear what you're saying. Your your argument is not invalid and it's not flawed. It but it does require as you said, you don't have it's not like the movie says like like when when Obi-Wan says to Qui-Gon, if you just listen to them, you'd be on the council. Right. And then Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon shuts him down. He's like, the boy is the chosen one, and you will learn your place. Um, but he doesn't say, just wait, Obi-Wan. I've got a better way. Yeah. I, I have this, this other paradigm. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. My, no, my he interpretation doesn't. Of the no, force. he doesn't. No. And no. like that... That would be, I guess. I guess ultimately, what I'm saying is, I need something like that to buy to okay. totally buy into okay. the theory. Okay, sure. And then, like you know, the duel of fate stuff and the the idea that all of this hinged on Qui Gon versus Obi Wan mm-hmm. is all in that bubble that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. like the the people within the universe who believe in that are in that <clears throat> bubble and they don't understand the reach of the dark powers that are pulling the strings yeah and um and that's that's altering their their viewpoint of how things are going to transpire yeah but i also wanted to say though like you know one thing that i've been paying attention to a lot mostly in the video games i play Mm -hmm. is um because because in video games it they're so hard to create Every pixel you see had to be created. Yeah, right. And then they and then they have to go create a story, and then like they have to create cities right. and architecture, right, and right, cultures right. and languages, and um, it's a bunch of. So so it's only natural that they're going to borrow from existing things. Sure. So I've just been really like looking at patterns of like stories and how how so many of them just borrow from existing stuff and star wars being no exception as you said the jedi are monks yes um and so on the point of of love you know i i think all religious orders the the extremist of the orders Mm -hmm. um have some version of asceticism yeah celibacy celibacy being one of them yeah and and there is the idea that somehow the uh, celibacy and other asceticism um, leads to a deeper connection to whatever whatever belief system you're in. And and I I have, I think one hundred percent the Jedi Order as portrayed in the movies is just borrowing that idea yeah no absolutely yeah yeah and, oh yeah but but like i would never <clears throat> say a shaolin monk is um arrogant 
for following that path. Sure. I would never like point that out as a flaw. I would be in, I would have admiration for it and awe, like, man, I can never do that. Sure, 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 sure. And I, and I don't regard myself as higher than them or like more knowing than them. And yeah, I would think yeah, like, yeah, yeah. wow, it'd be, it'd be really cool if I could like harness my chi to like <coughs> break a Excuse brick me. wall down and lower my heart rate on command and all these things and and i think that we're we're meant to like hold them up to a certain level and i don't i don't uh i don't blame them for that and i don't think it leads to evil on their part no 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 and and but i i do think that's exactly what the jedi are doing in the movies when they are shunning attachments it's it's out it's out of experience and you could say fear of knowing that people do evil deeds when Mm -hmm. they are acting in in the Mm self-interest of of their attachments Mm -hmm. and and thus they weed out those who have these attachments and because they they don't want to hand over the keys to all this power to someone who has this attachment that they don't think they can break. Yeah. No. I, no. I mean, that's that's all true. I, yeah. But like, no but like, I don't think that's arrogance. No. I don't think that's arrogance or hubris. I think that's just, I, in their view, it's I, smart. So the only, and this is the only window. This is like one of the few windows that I would see that being arrogant. Is that they didn't that that they allow they didn't allow themselves to see what was brewing, you know. But again, a Yoda yards literally, away in that big literally meditates. The I get most it. powerful Jedi yeah, ever lived it. meditates. Like, what else could they have done? Well, that's the other he, thing like, too. He like literally right? sits there Is and meditates, that... looking for the answer. Uh, and uh, and I th- and I think that, <clears throat> and I don't have any evidence for this, but I would think that the dark side, that Palpatine himself, would be making that cloud to make it that's exact that's exactly it but that's not yoda's fault no it's not yoda was out yoda was outgunned he was just outgunned that's it that's that's all there is to it he was outgunned by palpatine yes yes and 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 that's why i mean that's why you could arguably say those are the two most powerful force users right Mm -hmm. just on opposite sides of the same coin right yeah you know and and that's the major difference you know in in the your in the shaolin monk kind of deal is that there is no i'm not going to say there is no sith that the (laughs) that shaolin monks are you know that they're fighting against or anything like that but in this case you know that they did not see for whatever reason the the dark side rising you know like i said 500 yards away in that big mm-hmm. mushroom building right in the senate right that 
that they were so focused on who it was and 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 one of the prime examples is when when uh Obi-Wan Kenobi is captured on Geonosis and he has that mm-hmm. one-on-one with Count Dooku. Right. Cuz Dooku Who was telling him the truth. The Dooku was telling him the truth and he was like I don't believe you yeah. because you're a dark you know you're 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 you know you know for whatever reason you know he's did they know that he was a Sith at that point? No. It's just that he wasn't on the council, right? They didn't know that well, he was Darth so Tyrannus th- this... at, the moment, at that time, right? No, this is a whole thing, too. There's a whole thing about how Dooku's eyes never change to Sith eyes. Yes. In that. And so this... The Dooku thing, the Count Dooku thing, is another reason why I'm hesitant to buy into the whole theory is because Dooku is like a shittier version of Qui-Gon. He also rejected the council. Yeah. He left He left the order Yeah. because of these reasons we're talking about. Yeah. That, that, they're, that they're arrogant, that they, they're blind to the truth, which is mm-hmm. that a Sith Lord... Because because Dooku says to Obi Wan, "What if I told you a Sith Lord is ruling the universe?" He did say and, that. Uh, and I, yeah, and he's and he's inviting Obi Wan to go to go fight him. So so it's almost as if that's a really, Dooku is a, a a double agent. That's a and really he, interesting just, point, though, that you made or observation. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but that's a really interesting yeah. point that his eyes don't become Sith eyes, but yeah it's an interesting aspect to it because the sith way is that you're going to supplant your master to become it right so is he trying to lure obi-wan in joining him destroy the sith so he can become the master and trying to turn obi-wan in also or because as you pointed out he didn't have sith eyes maybe it was to destroy the sith without becoming the master i think the logical answer is dooku believes that he's a double agent who's he's machiavellian sure it's it's do whatever whatever it takes to destroy the evil of the sith because supposedly something happened in Dooku's childhood. I think his his parents were killed by Sith or something. I I know there was something oh. where no no, it was, um, he he's a Moses figure. He was in a oh. basket dropped dropped off at the temple or oh, something. Oh no, an orphan. But yeah, something there was something along those lines where his whole life was about destroying the Sith. The Sith. Oh. And and Dooku is blinded by his um, desire, I think, to kill Sidious to the point where he's willing to become a Sith just to get close to him, apparently to kill him. To kill him. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. But but the big a big thing with him is that he was on the council and he walked away from it. Yeah. Because in his stated reasons are that they they're blind to the sith yes 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 okay um, but dooku's not a good guy 
like just like rejecting the council in itself is not is not a good quality really yeah so you don't like ahsoka then she walked um, away too. no no i'm saying no i'm saying it's not automatically a good thing oh okay because dooku did it and he was a piece of shit ahsoka <laughs> did it she's a good person yeah qui-gon did it i i mean i i assume he's good but but like that act in itself is not a good act okay and 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 only if and only if the order was a bunch of uh evil bastards would that be a good act but sure. again they're not yoda is good yeah and he's trying i i don't think he's just outgunned yeah I, I i don't think there is a i don't think there is a i don't think we're arguing about whether the council's good or not it's just what i'm saying is that it in a lot of ways I'm kind of echoing Sidious in in a little bit, but I think that there are other ways to being a Jedi without looking at that, without looking at from the Council's point of view. That's all I'm saying is that <clears throat> is that because Obi Wan, I'm sorry, because Qui Gon was so far ahead of his time, because he was different, because there was that. That he was defiant to the council, that I do think that um, that I do think that that Qui Gon would have that he that there that it that he would have prevented Anakin from becoming Darth Vader. But why is defiant of the council part of that? Given that like Dooku was the ultimate defier of the council. Yeah, um, as I laid out, I think that the different perspective of having needs and wants and, 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 and looking at it from, and looking at the force from a different perspective is not a bad thing, it's just different. I guess I, guess I subscribe to it's not possible to have attachments and be a jedi knight i guess that's ultimately where i fall sure and like i believe the order when they say that that's true Uh uh-huh and and i think i I don't think they randomly came to that conclusion i think they probably in their ancient history saw a bunch of just like the vulcans did right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. when their emotions were out of control they were a violent war they were like yeah tearing each other to shreds right yeah that bloody history taught them a lesson yes hey we, we hey we can't do this we need to control this yes and and now we create an order a school of thought around how to control this yes and it's and it's asceticism right yes it's yes it's, it's withholding from your animalistic urges yes. and stuff yes yeah 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 however and i yeah i would say that with onions there are layers and mm-hmm. we do see individuals that pseudo prescribe to it but also believe that emotion also plays a role not pure logic and so from my 
and I guess I'm adding this, and I, and maybe I'm adding a Star Trek humanistic thing to it, like you know, a broader, <laughs> a broader perspective than the dogmatic view of the Jedi. That I do think that that Qui Gon would have replaced Sidious or Palpatine as the father figure in Anakin's life. And that's something that Anakin obviously was missing. And that and I think it's also very but, very But all Jedi are all Jedi are missing that. But I also think they're they're taken from their they're taken from their right. homes no, when it's they're true. young. It's None true. of them have parents. It's true. No, it's true. Which is different because I think in a lot of ways only Qui-Gon understood what he did, what he was doing, that he did take Anakin away from his mother. And I think understanding that and being the master and his viewpoints of the force in which he did have... I think that would have changed the entire I think that would have changed the entire dynamic. And and the one and one of the reasons that and he and George Lucas made it not abundantly clear but in episode 2 where Hayden Christensen Anakin Skywalker to a lot of to some fans comes off as whiny and like defiant to Obi-Wan was that mm-hmm. Obi-Wan and he says it you were my brother not that and that's a completely different relationship than mm-hmm. you know you were my you were like a son to me instead of you were my brother and i think that was very 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 deliberate in that dialogue well as bad yeah, but as in episode George 2 Lucas's sand is but in episode dialogue. 2 episode 2 Anakin says I'm sorry, Master. You're the closest thing I've ever had to a father. Yes, that's true. But in the end, Anakin defied Obi-Wan Kenobi in a lot of ways. I think in episode one where you see Qui-Gon Jinn, when he says to Anakin, when he tells Anakin, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all these things, most of the time... He listens because he is the act. He is more of a father figure, and I don't think Anakin would have had the mouth to like talk to Qui Gon the way that he did with Obi Wan. Well, I, I I see. I think Obi Wan's pretty harsh with Anakin. I do. I, not I that, do. Not I that do. harshness is being a father, but um. He's not like, what's up, bro? Let's, you know what I mean? They're not Right, like... right, right. But they're not that far apart in age, though, at the same time. And, and you are the closest to me, and you are the closest thing to being a father to me, is not saying, oh, you are a father figure. Because obviously, who supplants him as the father figure? See, but that, that thing, too, like... When he latches on to Palpatine, it's it's an internal desire to save Padme. He's just like this lust. Yeah, but for he power. believes. But he believe that, that's what I'm saying. Anakin 
you know, wants a authoritarian figure to like make decisions. He sell he tells that to Padme in the in the park or in the in the grassy field. And I think that has a lot to do with him needing that very authoritative figure and who plays that in his life. It's it's Obi-Wan Kenobi to some extent, but it's not Palpatine, right? It's and I think, and I think again, he would have been supplanted by, 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 uh, by, um, by uh, Qui Gon Jinn, and I don't think, and I think Qui Gon would have kept him away from Palpatine, and Palpatine would have never have had visions of like, oh, this boy, he's gonna be my, he's gonna be my, you know apprentice one day see i see i just don't see it though when i see anakin's interactions with palpatine i see a singular focus on anakin's lust for power and and palpatine is just the the mouth that's speaking the the magic you know whatever it is the the secret uh solution that anakin is lusting after and yeah. Palpatine happens to be a someone in a leader position that's older, but yes. it could have been a little girl standing <clears throat> on the street, homeless, that uh, said it. And Anakin was so driven to find a solution, he would have listened to her. Oh, inter- oh interesting, interesting, interesting. I I I don't see like someone. I I don't see Anakin being attracted to things Palpatine is saying other than the the lines that he's whispering in his ear about ways to save Padme. There's there's one line when he's when um he talks about his admiration for Palpatine but it always manifests as Anakin's unbridled lust for power yeah no absolutely no that's true to save his wife no that's true yes no that's true but again that is just how filthy palpatine really is though right that's why he is the puppet master we're not on video for to see people see Mm -hmm. stuff but anyways but yeah no it's that that's how evil he is i mean that's how manipulative he is that that you know he would that he would that he would play to that and but Anakin respected that opinion, right? Um, you know he respected that opinion and he was like, you know, and then that's why I think the opera scene is such a great, it's such a great, you know, it's such a great thing is that you know, and then in episode three where Palpatine really turns he really turns the switches on him is that he's coming from this caring place of like yes i want to help you save padme and he's and he knows that's anakin's weakness and he's playing to that and it's and it's devilish and it's powerful but it's also because anakin respects him uh to a point where it just feeds his arrogance and it feeds his anger and it feeds him. And yes, I do believe, and yes, I do agree with you that, 
you know, it's just feeding Anakin into becoming Darth Vader, right? And that he can overthrow because he's because Palpatine has fed him that bullshit, right? But he believes mm-hmm. it. But Anakin believes it. Right. But he wants to believe it. Right. He wants to believe it because, you know, that's why Palpatine is such an evil bastard. You're right. You know, that he lies to him and he breaks him and he and he lies to him. And then, you know, and, you know, now all that he has is Palpatine because he's got nobody else. And that attachment is to the Emperor now. Right. I, and I think begrudgingly. Right. Because I do think that Anakin yeah. thinks that he can overthrow Palpatine mm-hmm. in his arrogance. Yeah, for sure. And become the master. Absolutely. But then when he gets cut down by Obi-Wan, then, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. There goes that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but to 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 like conclude this, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think I'm right. I'm just I'm just trying to point out there are other ways and that there are other viewpoints and that 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 you know, in my heart of you know, and again, will we ever know? No, because this is a you know, unless Disney decides to make that, but you know, this is a this is a one of those barroom, you know. Well, as long as George Lucas is alive, he could always he say could, something. He could. Could I don't ask think him. he ever will, but um, no, I, I'm in the same boat. As I said up front, there's a ton of evidence to support what you're saying. Um, the only the only thing that I would say that I feel like I just disagree with is. The part where what the Jedi doing is wrong. Okay, I don't think it's wrong. I don't. It's just... I I never said that they were wrong. And I think people who do say that are, you know, I think that's... I don't don't know what to say. Because like I said, that is a very common refrain. Yeah, I think that's harsh. In the, like, Star Wars I think that's overly harsh. I think that's overly harsh that they were wrong. It's if, just... if nothing else, if you were to like, let's say you were to survey like ten like hardcore like Star Wars oh. theorists, like channels, content creators. Okay. I bet nine out of ten would say the Jedi were arrogant and um, and flawed. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, but you know, so was so was so was Palpatine. You know, he was arrogant and flawed. You know, mm-hmm. you're not gonna, def- you know. I have a legion of my best troops, and you're not going to defeat the pitiful little band, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's that same area. I just, I I think there's a reason, like in the Kenobi show, Obi-Wan doesn't remember his family. He's like, I remember a baby. And maybe Um, a brother. There's a a reason they take him away from their family (coughs) young. It's because those attachments are dangerous. Yeah. And then Qui-Gon tried to bring in someone who had that possess yes. that that uh um what was the word i just said attachment, attachment to and, his mother and uh and they said no because he has this attachment 
Yes. And to me, that was the right call. That was, sorry, we sh- I don't care how many midichlorians he has or that he was uh, the product of immaculate conception. Uh-huh. <laughs> this guy, this guy is freaking dangerous. Yeah. And they were right. But I don't think they had... I, I, I don't think that had to be, is all I'm saying. Is that... Yeah, I understand that. If if they would have seen it a little bit differently. And, and that's why I think it's, but it's how not though? wrong. It's, I, I don't think it's wrong. I think it's just a viewpoint that they had and that those things did lead to him falling to the dark side yes because they obviously didn't believe him they obviously didn't trust him because he was attached to his you know they they the council obviously didn't want to train him didn't want for whatever because of the fear the anger the hate all that stuff i i I don't think again i don't think it's wrong it's just it was laying down a pa- the path towards what we ultimately got and i don't think and i think there would have been there could have been a different path is all i'm saying they but, made it easier by distrusting him at such a young age and Instead of Qui-Gon Jinn believing in him wholeheartedly, I will train you. You will be a Jedi. You may not serve on the council. It may not be official, but I will train you. Which is why I think he might have left. You know, I don't see... I don't think that that would have been out of the realm of possibility that he would have taken him and said, Ah, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm going to train him my way anyways. Because the council won't let me to train, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was only on the dying wish... Of Qui-Gon Jinn, did they finally say, okay, fine, train the boy? But, but I mean, they would have had to adapt their training. Because I don't think they half-assed trained Anakin. No. They, they did wholeheartedly train him yes. just like they would anybody yes, yes, within yes. their system. Yes. Were they, were they, were they probably... Did they probably not plan that well? Probably, you know. Did, did they? Were they not? Okay, here's what I will say. That they were not nimble enough to adjust their thinking in training an older boy that was a slave and attached to his mother. Right? Agreed. That's the only... I would say that that was not... And they weren't wrong to be hesitant. But if, you know, the prophet... If that's... And maybe it's their view of the prophecy. Right? And maybe Qui-Gon had a different view of the prophecy than the council Mm -hmm. did. Right? Obviously. Like, but I think if I, yeah, if I was a Jedi a thousand years later, someone else comes to me and says, Hey, this guy has 
30,000 millicorns, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he's 10, he's 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Will you train him? Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer. Like, so that, so you're saying they should have changed course. Well, yes, we will train him, but we're going to do it this way. Yes. Because he has these attachments. Yes. Well, because what look is what they that did. Way? Well, look what he did. I mean, poorly. I mean, I, you know, in, in time constraint of a movie. You know, Yoda kept saying, Luke is too old. Luke is too old. Luke is too old. Mm-hmm. Too old yeah. to begin the training. Mm-hmm. And yet, they did. And, you know, and, and, and you know, he was, you know, attached to his sister, attached to his friends, defied all that, right? So they, so he did, so Yoda did give in a little bit, but didn't adjust enough to make, to, see, I think the, the, one of the, one of the values that I, that I value, one of the things that I value is somebody's ability to adjust to mm-hmm. the people that you are working with that some people right. need to okay. be pushed and some people need to be pulled some people need to be yelled at some people need to be coddled some people need to be but as long as you're moving in one direction and that's what good leadership is right and i don't think yoda and mace windu in the hierarchy of the jedi council were not were did not realize or was not open enough to say, okay, our brand of training is not going to fit everybody that way. And that they mm-hmm. didn't adjust each individual, like, youngling or child or whatever the case might be. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, obviously they had to get bigger and they had to have a school and all that kind of stuff. It was less of the one-on-one master you know, and obviously, you know, there's going to be those people who, you know, those younglings who are going to fall to the dark side no matter what, because that's what happens, right? No matter how much you mm-hmm. do and how much love and care and all that kind of stuff, it's just built in within a person to grow up and want to see the world burn or whatever the case might be. And become Darth Vader or Palpatine or whatever the case might be. But I think the inability to adjust to his to the quote-unquote chosen one's needs at that time was not wrong, but just a failing. And that's something that, you know, we all, you know, we everyone has. We all have failings. Even Yoda, you know, talks about it. But I think every school has its leanings and its curriculum. Sure, yeah. And they're, and your your job is to go in there as the student and excel to at, within their curriculum. They're not, like, if, if you don't like what they're offering, go to a different school. Right, and that's what I'm saying, but, is I think Qui-Gon Jinn would have offered him a different teaching. But, yeah, yeah, no, I get that's what you're saying, but um, Qui-Gon as far as we know just offered to train him yeah and and then at the end gave him to obi-wan and obi-wan is in the order yeah i mean i don't think he gave him to obi-wan i think you know there was a you know (laughs) 
you know, he was dying at that point, and so there was no mm-hmm. other choice. Well, so I would argue it's poor playing on Qui-Gon's part. He he needed to set up his school before he went out mavericking. Sure, sure. And, like, um, offering to train people in some other way. Sure. Because, like, That's this true. is the way. That's true. That's true. This is the, the way. It's it's this way but or, I don't think or the he Sith planned, way. Obviously, I don't think he planned on, you know, finding the, the chosen one, right? But doesn't that indicate an absence of a plan? It's true. And thus, no, it's true. the whole premise falls apart. It's true. Because like, if he didn't... Because I don't know... Because do we know how long Obi-Wan was uh, Qui-Gon's Padawan? No, I don't know. Okay. Well, like I said, my guesstimation is that 9 out of 10 Star Wars content creators agree with verbatim what you're saying oh interesting without ex- i've never found one who is saying the things that i'm saying oh interesting i'm just i'm i'm just not convinced yeah and sure and i'm not trying maybe, to change your mind I, i'm just yeah. you know my a part of my fixation here is like you know i don't want to miss something sure that would kind of suck sure right but i i I feel like I'm missing something. Um, and maybe. No matter how maybe much Star Wars devotion. content maybe I Maybe it's your devotion to the hero's journey. And that it was always going to be yeah. that way. That that absolutely 100% could be it. 100%. Like, you know, it wouldn't have been Star Wars, so. right? If, if Qui-Gon lived and he didn't become Darth Vader and, you know, it's somebody else and the story was mm-hmm. completely different, obviously, right? Yeah. But, you right. know, I'm, you know. Yeah. I, and, and again, I'm not here to try to change your opinion. And I'm not trying to tell you you're wrong. It's just I'm offering up a different perspective. A different, like, no, I, you know. No, I like it. It's just that, um, like I said, the more Star Wars content I consume, mm-hmm. I keep, I keep waiting for that moment where I get it, and, and I just get more entrenched in my own belief. And like, because it know, may I'm not happen, right? It may not happen by design, <laughs> right? You know, it may not happen. And 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 Obi Wan and Kenobi probably alluded to that. Like, you know, he was still trying to reach out to Kenobi, you know, to Qui Gon, and he fought, you know. You just weren't ready to see. Okay. And All right, man. I might, and let me finish off on this. I might have a bias yeah. because I love Liam Neeson. <laughs> well, yeah. So I was going to ask you earlier, do you know what a stan is? No. In In these like nerdy, like maybe not even nerdy, like media fictional universes the fans of those so you you would be a a qui-gon stan oh okay okay yes okay yes i yes i i would prescribe to his school yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely i don't know if it stands for something i don't know if it's uh it's an acronym i don't know what it but but, yeah no i would you're a qui-gon stan i definitely am i definitely am i definitely would have been trained (laughs) in his school because it's a much broader perspective than the narrow view of the jedi okay all right my man well thank you thank you it's late yes 
and uh, it's great to be back. Yes. And everyone, if you made it this far, <laughs> please uh, follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on all the things. We're on Anchor. We are on Apple. We are on Google Podcast and Spotify, which is probably the most important one for us at the moment. Uh, and we appreciate you listening and your support. And until next time, live long and prosper. And may the force be with you. See you.